Okay, what if he did have the flu? It's not good to play with the flu. You know what? It's funny. Jawad Williams actually said, actually said that whenever um, that was playing. He was like, I always wondered if Jordan had the flu, why would he be hugging all on his teammates? Wouldn't that get everyone sick? Like, so the yeah. flu couldn't be possible because right. Jordan wouldn't be the only one. Welcome to an ACC podcast. I'm Lauren Brownlow, and I'm excited to be joined today by Kiera Luck. She is the Heels Maven for Sports Illustrated, and she's been, I mean, gosh, ever since she's been on that beat, she's been really grinding and putting <laughs> in work, and she's been putting out a lot of really, really good information. If you're, you know, wanting to know what's going on with Carolina, if you're wanting to know what's going on, you know, just in general, you should all give her a follow. Uh, Kiera, hey, what's going on? Hey, Lauren, how are you? Good. So I, I wanted to, I mean, there's a number of Carolina related topics and other kinds of topics I wanted to get into with you and stuff. But I think the big, one of the big ACC pieces of news from this week, weirdly enough, when it's a slow week and no one's playing any sports. Exactly. <laughs> was uh, at Ty Lawson's comments um, on Instagram or his, I guess like his, he wrote them on his Insta story and um, about Roy Williams. Um, if I guess you could just put those into some context for us like what 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 was said exactly I know he said that he was upset said he didn't um f with Carolina because of Roy Williams talking to GMs about him I'm not sure if he means like like NBA GMs I'm not sure if he means now or when he came out originally I'm not I don't know if you have full context there as to like what exactly he was referring to when he was talking about that I don't. And, and it's weird because when I, I spoke to a couple of sources, no one really knew where it came from. It was just so random and so left field because um, you can look at his Instagram now. And just in 2017, he was sharing, you know, Carolina photos. So I don't know if this is, you know, um, him trying to come back to the NBA. He has be, right. been in the Chinese Basketball Association for about a couple of years and doing pretty well over there. So I don't know if he's trying to make the transition back and maybe he's kind of hit up a few GMs and they possibly told him, you know, past information. I'm not sure, but no one knows. And and that's really all I can think of is him just inquiring about a reentry and, and this news just popping up and that that's it, honestly. Yeah, I doubt it would be like from when he came out in right. you know, nine, right? Like, I, right. I, that was my first thought. But then I was like, no, I really don't think that Roy would have said anything like that then. Um, I don't think. <laughs> but even I don't then, know. why would he have held on to it for this long? <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's been 11 yeah. years. I, I don't yeah. see how. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's it's weird. I don't know if his past arrests have kind of resurfaced and that's why GMs are kind of hesitant to maybe bring it back. I, I don't know. But it's it's just weird that he just all of a sudden came out on Memorial Day and was just like, F you. It's like, wait. <laughs> yeah. And he, why? <laughs> yeah, like that was so random. And, and it did. Yeah, it was Memorial Day. You're right. That felt like Sunday. I guess it kind of was. Um, but yeah, he, it was a strange thing. And I, yeah, I think that probably makes the most sense. Like you said, that maybe he's trying to get back in the league. Although I don't know why a GM would talk to Roy now about, right. what, you know, like what, I mean, there's plenty of other people that have like coached high since that you could talk to that, <laughs> that aren't Roy. And it's a weird relationship too, right? Because like, 
you know, and sometimes this stuff gets out, even though it's not always supposed to, that a coach has said X, Y, Z about a player to an NBA GM. Do you have any sort of insight into what that relationship is like, too? Because I know coaches a lot of times will go to GMs and, you know, try to vouch for their players, too. And and I I guess it it must be sort of a weird relationship to have because I guess you do want there to be some degree of, of trust there, right? Right. And to my understanding, um, it's Coach Williams is, is honest by default. I think we've all kind yeah. of seen that this year. Um, he, he's really kind of like he's really hot. He's, you know, honest, open and transparent about whatever he's going through it and the struggles that he experiences. So I, I can't imagine him being um, hurtful to a player he admires so much career Um I think that there's some miscommunication going on. And I know that with the player that you've been around for three years, you've recruited him, you know him inside and out. Um, Of course, a GM is going to ask you, hey, how is this kid? You know, what would he be like in the locker room? You know, this, that, and the third. So um, I'm sure Coach Williams, you know, gave his opinion and, and he still got drafted. He went 18th to Minnesota before being traded to Denver. So it couldn't have been too harmful because they still chose him. So, um, I really don't think Coach Williams is that type of, of coach that will do anything damning to um, a, a player's career. So I, I don't, I don't see it, Lauren. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah, because like again, it, it, if you badmouth a guy too much and he ends up slipping in the draft, that that hurts your program too. So exactly, like- <laughs> exactly. And to my understanding, um, I've heard before that Coach Williams is always batted for his guys, and you know made phone calls when necessary and, and, you know, done what was needed to kind of help his guys along. So um, this is a a rarity. So I'm not sure. Yeah. And stuff like this, look, this isn't exclusive to Carolina that sometimes stuff like this gets out, um, you know, that, that guys don't have the best exit from their, from their school. Sometimes their parents are upset and they'll say something about a coach. And we've seen this at Duke a few times, not as much recently, but you know, like a while ago, I think it was Daniel Ewing, right? There were some some issues there with him and Coach K, and and like he didn't want him to go pro, and he did anyway. That that kind of stuff happens all the time, but um, yeah, it's and it's it's one thing too. Like you you said too, like Roy is honest to a fault, and 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 I could see Roy saying all of these good things about Ty, and maybe like, well, he also was like this, and then all of a sudden the GM is, you know, maybe playing telephone and repeating something. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then it's suddenly just all the bad stuff that he said and not any of the good. So, right. And, and Ty's time at UNC was, um, you know, it was a little complicated, like you said, at times, um, there were all kinds of rumors that were always flying around, especially like in 2008. You, I, I don't think he was involved in this. I remember hearing like there was a fight in the locker room or something in 2008. Like, I don't know if that's true or not. It's probably not, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had the I haven't heard that one, <laughs> but I've um yeah, yeah it, all it's all on his Wikipedia page. Unfortunately, the things that has yeah all the legal his, stuff yeah yeah. So I mean, it's it's not a hidden thing, but um I I don't know. He was recently named, you know, as one of Coach Williams' top ten players. So I I don't know. I don't know if the good outweighs the bad, or you know, if it's a a middle type of thing you kind of get what you get but when you get him you know when he's on the court he's really good but you know there's some other stuff too but 
I mean, knows? They're, he's they're killing like, it in, in China, though. That's the crazy thing. He's killing it over there. And he's doing well from a personal yeah. perspective, too, right? Yeah. yeah, which is great to hear because I know he was having his issues. Like you said, that's all pretty readily accessible if you want to read up on some of that. But it's good to hear that he's doing really well and, and hopefully he's on the right track to, you know, getting back at it. I thought, I mean, he what he did for them in 2009, and that's, that's probably the biggest reason he made the list, too, is like, you know, he, he care. I mean, he was so important to their title in that year. Like he just, he carried them to that. And uh, although it's funny, you know, when I think of Ty, I think of, I, I for sure think of that and how great he was during that season. But I also think of uh, the Epsom salts thing. Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> With the toe where like his toe got, <laughs> when his toe got hurt, his dad was like, put some Epsom salts yes. on <laughs> Oh I'm sorry, black people. We have so many home remedies. You know <laughs> that is real. You're good to go. That that cures everything. Yeah, and, and like it, and it actually makes it just like blow up and not. <laughs> oh man, the toe. Yeah, Ty Lawson's toe, man. Before any other injury, y'all think was a big deal. Before Zion and his knee, it was Ty's toe. Trust me, y'all don't even remember. Right, and before Joel's ankles, both of them yep. at that. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. How do you injure both angles? Both angles. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And I know, I know, I remember hearing that as like an added bit of context for Joel Berry, like, you know, getting that MOP award in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was firmly, and I still kind of am firmly in the camp of like, that was Kennedy Meeks. But I, I also understand that voters didn't, they vote early, right? Like, that's how right. it works. And so, like, you didn't get to see Kennedy's block and, you know, you you voted before Kennedy makes block in the closing seconds and whatever, um, you know, so that that probably played a role. But, of course, they're not in the championship game without Kennedy in the game before. So there's also that. That's a whole other discussion, Lauren, about how Kennedy Meeks was, like, shorted that year. He's He deserved a lot more recognition than what he got. Yes. And I, I always, you know, no disrespect to Joel, of course, but I always, when I see, you know, him winning that I'm always like that's Kennedy Meeks award mm-hmm. man he deserved to have his jersey up there like yeah he does he definitely does yeah but you know uh yeah that that actually they've been I guess there's been like a bunch of debate well actually they Ty was voted what Carolina fans best all-time point guard um yep that was uh it was funny I was uh on with the sports shop recently here locally and and, and they're good friends with Bill Ford and they were just the blasphemy they were they were so <laughs> And I get it. I, I think, you know, in all time Carolina history, we have a lot of recency bias. It's, you know, for a m- multitude of reasons, like it's Phil Ford. But I also, yeah. when you look at recent Carolina point guards and what they were able to do to elevate their teams, like, yeah, I I, I absolutely would have Ty very high on that list as well. Right. Also, when you know. think about Carolina's fan base, it's kind of, it, it's gotten younger. Yeah. So, I mean, not too many people remember Phil Ford, so... Yeah, I mean, and the people who do probably don't have like a Twitter or Instagram they built. So, well, it's horrible. I didn't mean, (laughs) (laughs) but no shade. I mean, you know, it's just the older crowd doesn't have that the means to kind of like vote fulfill for that. You know, yeah. I mean, to educate the youths out there, exactly. They're in the podcast crowd like that. Carolina signed Phil Ford during a time where NC State was complete was dominating. They had David Thompson. Um, and, and Phil Ford deciding to go to Carolina was just such a, it, it really, I mean, Dean Smith had already been to three final fours, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, and I, well, actually four at that point, but, um, 
he he really kind of helped bring Carolina's program into you know into the new era, so to speak, and and help level the playing field with NC State. And it's funny, um, I got this most random question in my mailbag this week that I do for WRL Sports Fan about like who would win in a street fight between Dean and Roy, and oh I was God. like, I know. I was like, the best answer I got was somebody saying like, Roy would never touch Dean. So that's probably. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, okay. But like, let's say they, you know, for whatever reason they did, I was like, Roy grew up in the mountains and that dude still holds a grudge from like his classmates in the seventies tormenting him (laughs) as a young Carolina fan (laughs) about NC state, like beating them all the time. And that's like, he still holds that grudge to the point where like, what it, he'd rather beat state than eat like i don't know that dude would be scrappy in a street fight i'm just saying and his record now totally makes sense so <laughs> yeah <laughs> like state, it totally makes sense now yeah whenever everybody else asks me like why does roy hate state so much i, I always have a quick answer because it, it comes from that time period when he was growing up and like his state fan friends were always like in his face i mean you all, you, we all know how it is whenever your team a fan of somebody growing up and, and the other team beats you all the time you hate it and you hear mm-hmm. from your friends all the time and so roy roy has carried that grudge into his adulthood um you know uh well it was actually i think no it was when he was an assistant too that that was really more what it was yeah because he was an assistant in the 70s and so like that was when he was first with the team that's when that happened but he did still hear from a lot of his friends um because he'll talk about that too but yeah um it was it was the most random question and I was just kinda like, Y'all y'all sell Roy short, man. Like that dude that dude uh, you know, he, he he could probably fight a little bit. And I you know, Dean Smith certainly has an excellent record of fighting for causes and things like that. Um, right. But he was also a pacifist, so I don't know. But then somebody did remind me that he tried to fight Rick Barnes. So I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I know you're probably like, what are we talking about right now? No, I, I'm so fascinated. I wish you could see my I face. Know. I'm just like, <laughs> Lauren, you need to do like story time with Lauren. It's it's like the curious, yeah. It's the, and, uh, and I'm also like, like it, it it led to this like legit heated thing in my mentions where people were like, Dean, this guy was like, Dean Smith fought for blah blah blah, and I'm like, yes, I know, but that's that doesn't mean he would physically fight someone in real life, and that's okay. Like if you don't want to fight in real life, I don't blame right. you. Right. Like, Right. That doesn't make you like not a brave person. <laughs> it's just and plus yeah. it takes too much energy to fight. It's like what did we accomplish here? Now we're both hurt. <laughs> yeah, I no, no. I would I would last not long in any sort of street fight at all. I Agreed. would just run away. Agreed. It's <laughs> like, no, thank you. I'm so sorry. Please just don't hurt me. Uh yeah, but it was a, you did a podcast recently or you did a video podcast, I guess, right, with David Noel and um Yes. Yeah, and it sort of asked him a little bit about what Ty said too, right? Yeah. Um, and David was kind of like, you know, just, you know, people's experiences at Carolina are different. And, you know, not everyone in any collegiate program has a storybook ending. And, you know, while, you know, he he hopes that everything works out, he was a little like, you know, I, I wish that, you know, it was talked about before, Ty just went straight to social media because now not only does that hurt Ty, but it also hurts the program. It's like, okay, now how does this look towards recruiting? You know, there's a bigger picture in all of this because, you know, I'm sure Caleb Love and RJ Davis and all these kids are looking at this and like, okay, what's going on? You know, why are, where did Ty come from this? 
you know, how does that, you know, hurt my chances with Roy? You know, there's just certain questions that arise with this whole thing that is bigger than just Coach Williams and, and Ty Lawson, you know, and it's, I'm sure, a PR nightmare for Carolina trying to, you know, calm nerves. Because if I'm a recruit's mother, I'm calling and asking, okay, what the fuzzy is going on here and how is this going to, you know, impact my kid? So, um, yeah. it's just... It's it's a lot worse than than I think. Just oh, he's going on a social media rant. It hurts a lot deeper than that, and that's all David was saying. You know, if you have your your quarrels with Coach Williams, talk to him. You know, why haven't you you know reached out to talk to him? Don't just immediately go to social media because now everyone's in our business, and and now it makes us look bad as a program. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I thought that was interesting, and 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 David's right. The thing is, you know, obviously everybody says all the right things when they're you know after they play for a program and whatever and and but nobody's experience is the same I thought that was interesting that he said that too nobody has the same experience uh at any college program no but everybody's experience is unique in some way and I mean I think that's even true for regular students who are in college yeah. nobody yeah everybody has a different experience and um, there's things that are going to happen during the course of your time especially with a coach I'm sure that, that are going to rub you the wrong way and then things that you're going to get a lot out of. And, and, and it's, it's never just one thing. It's, it's always right. a little bit of a mixed bag for sure. Um, and, it, and it was interesting to hear David talk about that. Cause I know coach Williams loves David. Like, yeah, I mean, that's one of those guys. It's funny. Cause when Roy first got here, he always talked so much about Kansas players because he had no frame of reference, you know, for right. Carolina players of recent times, he'd only coached Kansas players before. So we used to hear about all these guys. And now, now he's been at Carolina long enough that you start to hear about guys like whenever he references great leaders, he talks about David and, yeah. um, you know, he, he, I know he loves Dave a lot. And yeah. so for, you know, for Dave to say that, I think is, is important context too, because it also yeah. means like, Hey, you know, y'all don't, y'all don't need to come down too hard on Ty on this too. Like, yeah, it, I thought it was, um, and, David would tell you all day, like his Carolina experience, like just hearing stories from him and, you know, seeing him interact with his former teammates. It's, it's almost like the epitome and definition of like romance. Like they love each other so much and he will forever tell people like, I love Carolina and I will, you know, never tarnish what I did for that program and what that program did for me. I would never do anything to harm it. And um, he's he holds Coach Williams in such a high regard. In his office at Southern, he had this Coach Williams signed a newspaper whenever he was um, assigned as a head coach for their basketball team. And that meant so much to him that Coach Williams had time to recognize him and, and call him and talk to him about it. And he's always been a point of reference from him, for him uh, through his um, journey to being a, a coach. So... Um, David and Carolina are are forever bonded together, and um, he just wanted people or fans to to realize that you know, calling or even for me calling you know Ty every name in the book but a child of God was like a, a lot, and you know you have to let people tell their story. I understand that it may not have happened the way you wanted, and it may not be the story you want to hear, but you you have to respect people's story and and at least give them a chance to elaborate. Um, Ty did take it down within hours later. Um, to my understanding, you know, he spoke with someone from Carolina and, and there was a conversation. He hasn't spoken with Coach Williams yet, but he has spoken with someone from Carolina and and it was taken down. So hopefully the 
the healing process has started and, you know, um, Ty is a little bit, um, what's what I'm looking for? Better, for lack of better words. He's, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. in, in a clear headspace and, you know, able to have a, a, a healthy conversation um, concerning what was ailing him. Yeah, listen, Carolina fans, he carried y'all to a national title. He doesn't, he doesn't know you. With a toe. <laughs> yeah. With one less toe. Right. He he doesn't know you anything else. That's He's, he's done enough, so y'all can leave him alone. Um, yeah um he he has he has helped your program way more than he heard it so yeah agree yeah it's it's not it's not quite the Rashad McCant situation here in fact it's not not quite yeah I don't even think it's close to that at this point he just had something to say and get off his chest and he said it and that's it like okay not the end of the world but you know it's a slow news time I suppose yeah (laughs) and yeah, it's interesting. They're they're having a lot of recruiting success, and um, so I get why, especially fans of other programs, would be. It, that's what happens whenever something like this comes out. Everybody's always quick to jump on it and be like, "Ha ha!" Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. But yeah, it's it's. I mean, gosh, football and basketball are really just killing it. Killing it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think Carolina's football class has slipped a few spots. It was up to like number two, I think, nationally, which is like bananas. But um, it seems to be holding up pretty solidly in the top 10 right now, right? I think so. It is. I'm, I'm actually checking now. I haven't even seen it yeah. um, within the past couple of weeks. But to my understanding, yeah, um, I, I think uh, later on in the year, it'll go back up. I mean, people are expecting the number one quarterback, uh, Tony Grimes, to come to Carolina. So, I'm sure that'll put a spike back in in Coach Brown's recruiting class. This is, um, I want to say, I was going through some of the rankings the other day, and it's on pace, I think, at least in like the 24-7 sports website, it's on pace to be like their best recruiting class ever. Since they've been cracking it. Yeah. Which is, whoo. And (laughs) and he's he's done it in year two, which is crazy. And it says a lot about. The, the kind of, of, of culture he's he's um, embedding in Carolina football because there is not this much hype in, in Carolina football a couple of years ago. Yeah, and it's interesting. I've I, you know I've heard some of the people around the basketball program being asked about this and stuff. I, um, and and it, and they were like, "This is great. Like it's 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 way better for us to recruit and bring guys because they bring guys to football games all the time. They bring their basketball mm-hmm. recruits, and it's way better for them to be able to bring them to you know." a crowded Keenan stadium that has a lot of energy and a big game environment exactly. it is to like bring them to a half empty stadium where there's not much energy. So they love it. It's, yeah. It's funny. Um, JJ Jones, one of the recent wide receiver commits, um, he posted a, <laughs> an empty uh, Keenan stadium and someone, a fan, I'm thinking of Virginia tech retweeted it and was like, that's what it's going to be like when you're there. <laughs> Oh my god! And JJ Jones responded, um, "This is one of eight schools that sold out last year, so thank you. Try again." So th- these kids are definitely ready for Carolina football, and and they're ready to to bring some noise. So I, I thought that was kind of cool to see recruits who aren't even there yet, kind of defending Carolina football, and and you know letting fans know that 2021 is going to be something special. And speaking of um, not even there yet, it's we're it's May 29th as we record this. Uh, June 1st is just around the corner, and the NCAA recently um, sort of cleared the way for athletes in football and men's and women's basketball to come to campus for you know quote unquote voluntary workouts. Um, you know, y- y'all can take that as you will <laughs> in terms of how 
voluntary there. Although I'm sure in this situation, it's probably a little more voluntary than other times. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. I don't think anybody's going to give a kid a hard time if he wants to be a little more cautious and when to come back to campus. But um, are, what are you hearing in terms of what Car- how Carolina is going to handle that? Uh, are, are they going to be back on June 1st? Are they waiting? Or is there, I mean, it's just, it's tough to, every state has different rules at this point. Every school has different rules. What are you, what are you hearing? I I haven't heard anything too much. Um, Coach Brown hasn't done um, a press conference since his release. So the last that he's stated what he, that he's preparing for um, students to come back around early July. Um, this was before actually the June 1st, so it might be earlier now, but um, they've been in, in constant contact with uh, Bubba Cunningham and making sure that whenever students do arrive, that it's safe um, for everyone involved. And um, he's expecting, I think, staff back uh, early June, early to mid-June. So I- I'm thinking towards the end of June, he might, you know, let students come back. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it's early July. I know they're wanting at least six weeks to kind of prepare for the season. Um, that was like the the must. Like if we have to, like, you know, put a, a timeline or a date on how much time we need, we need at least six weeks. So. Um, you can expect them, I'm assuming, around July to come back. Yeah, I think David Cuckliffe had said something similar. They would need at least six weeks um, to adequately prepare, Yeah, you know, for a season. And uh, it's interesting. I was going through my timeline. And I saw this tweet. Yes, I, I missed this tweet yesterday, but the Iowa athletic director anyway says any athlete who chooses not to train or compete this year because of COVID-19 will face no penalty with their status or their scholarship. Um so I think that's good. I hope other schools sort of follow suit. You know, I, I know that we look at them and we say they're college athletes. They're not as at risk, but they have a, a lot of them have family members that they care about mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, they, they are. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's a lot to ask of kids to basically not see, a, you know, a member of their family for an extended period of time. And um, it, it, I had Michael Felder on last week, who I'm sure, you know, from Stadium. Mm-hmm. And he, he was talking about how. Um, you know, some of these kids, it's interesting. I know we express concern for these kids coming back and I understand why, but some of these kids are actually a little bit better off in in an environment like that where they can have their meals provided for them. Exactly. You know, it's it's putting a lot of stress, I think, on players that we don't think about, um, especially some that don't come from as much money as some others. Yeah, um, especially with Carolina, you know, sending out, you know, nutrition meals and, you know, making sure these kids eat and sending them, you know, some of their scholarship money to help with um, um, at home expenses. Like it's a lot. And I don't think fans kind of get the full scope of that. A lot of these kids are coming from less than desirable atmospheres, from you know, low income families. So they're kind of like, you know, they have a lot on their shoulders, you know, to make it and provide for their family. Um, you hear so many stories of, you know, why coaches pay players. And a lot of times coaches are paying light bills for their families. Um, yeah. I believe that was like out of it was it was a southern school. It was a big one. I can't remember who exactly it was. But, you know, there was a coach paying for a kid's parents light bill. And, you know, he asked for light bill money. And that was kind of like a, a big hoopla for the NCAA that he was doing that. But these kids need it and their families need it. So the safest environment for them, sadly, would be school where they have full course meals and, you know, the ability to work out and just around positive environment. Cause this depression is easy um, amid this pandemic. So um, oh, yeah. I, I, 
the best resources for them would be on campus. It's yeah, actually like, funny. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. Yeah, I, you go ahead. I was going to say, it kind of reminds me of, of the Scottie Pippen. I don't know if a lot of people watched The Last Dance, how Scottie Pippen just surprisingly grew when he got to college. And, you know, it was a conversation that, you know, maybe that be because he came from a family of, I think, of 15 around there, yeah. like, uh, a full tribe of siblings, including his parents. And when he got to college, that may have been the only time he was able to really have full course meals and a workout and be able to actually grow. So college provides more than just, you know, education for some of these kids. These are, this is home and an experience that they've never had before. Well, and, you know, you said that like Carolina was trying to raise money, I know, to send meals to some of the guys and they've been doing some of that. Um, but, you know, or get at least money for groceries and stuff. But, you know, yeah. like like Felder pointed out last week, you know, somebody's got to cook that food, you know. And, yeah. So, and, and some of these people have parents who are working in essential jobs and, and don't have that kind of time or, or you know, it, maybe even some of the necessary equipment to cook some of that stuff. And it's 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 just a tough situation for them to be in for an extended period of time. So it's a good it, it's a good thing, I think, for some of these guys to be able to be back in that kind of environment and, yeah. and, and train that way. It's it's certainly safer, I think, in terms of like the season itself, because then that, this lets them get back into the kind of physical form that I think they'll need to be in once they actually start hitting each other in football. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's a safety concern for sure. If you're not physically <laughs> ready to do that. Um, yeah. It's, um, it, it's interesting. And as I know, um, this tweet came out yesterday from Mark Ennis, who's been a guest on here before he covers Louisville. And he said he was told that one of the support staff, people because they're sort of starting to report back the support staffers um had had tested positive and um louisville's ad disputed that report he said he'd, he had not heard that but it sort of highlights something that you know i mean this is gonna happen people are gonna yeah. test positive yeah. like and it's it, it'll be interesting to see how it's handled i guess on every individual campus i mean i think that they have to know that it's not going to be, it's not going to be like the NBA. I think we have this interesting expectation that like, oh, well, if somebody, if a player tests positive, uh, that's going to be it. I don't think it is. I, I think that they understand that people are going to test positive and they're just going to do their best to make this business as usual. I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about that, to be honest with you. I don't even know how you even police it. Like to me, right. the, the biggest scare for me, you know, it, of course it, it affects people of all ages, but um, whenever this really started to hit home uh, during the ACC tournament, Coach Williams um, said jokingly, but kind of serious, like, you know, this COVID-19 is, you know, people, younger people can recover from it a lot quicker than people my age can. And that's where my concern is. So whenever you look at older coaches, you know, your Coach Williams, your Coach K, your Coach Browns, like they're, you know, in their 70s. And it's, it worries me that if they catch it, you know, what happens, you know, what, what does the team do then, you know, and, and it's yeah. far beyond than just players catching it. It's older people and coach Williams, not coach Williams, coach Browns mentioned one of his former, uh, one of his coaches have had formerly had cancer. So now you have to play that into it. Like, you know, with people with, previous medical conditions you know how do you handle it with that so there are so many unanswered questions I I don't know it's 
Yeah, and it's, it's a huge risk to return to entertainment with a virus that no one knows how they can impact everyone. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Yeah, you put it that way and you said it right. Like it, it, at the end of the day, it's entertainment. And it's like, it, it's a weird thing because I think we all, in, of course, we want to see sports. We miss sports. Like, of course we do. But it's just this weird feeling of like, it, it feels kind of icky in some way. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. But, but at what cost, right? Like, yeah. You know, what if, what if a coach dies? Like, can you imagine? It's just, it's, it's yeah. And then the, the the media would be, oh, we came back too soon. We should have waited. And it, I I don't know. It's well, I I do still laugh, and I've had guests on this podcast before, and I do I still laugh at the fact that like there are people out there who genuinely think that some members of the sports media don't like don't want sports because yeah. like we don't have we like I don't think y'all realize how many of us will lose our jobs if we don't have sports. Exactly. Exactly. So it's not that it's just more of a matter of like, wow, let's look, looking at the morality of it and, and what that means and what the consequences are. Um, and, and it's complicated, right? I, I don't know. I don't have a good answer either. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if you're hearing anything from any of the Carolina players uh, uh, on terms of like, obviously in public, they're going to say that they want to come back right. and everything, but I don't know if any of them have any hesitancy in terms of like coming back and, and maybe what that means and the potential health consequences. No, I fortunately and unfortunately, I haven't heard anything um, concerning a return or if they're nervous or if they're scared. Um, I'm sure they believe that, you know, Carolina is one of the best medical schools yeah. also, or, you know, has one of the best hospitals in the world. So, you know, while I'm sure, you know, people are nervous about returning, it, it's also comforting to know that you have one of the best hospitals in the world behind you and not just Chapel Hill, RTP period, you know, North Carolina is, is really known for medicine. So um, if you're going to go somewhere and, you know, be safe and have the best doctors around you, it would be going back to school. Carolina, Carolina football at least has a pretty, you know, established core coming back. And so I, I'm not for team chemistry purposes, I think that they'll be okay, but basketball has a lot of new pieces coming in. Um, I guess, how important do you think it'll be to get this time in the summer that they're always used to getting for them in terms of being able to work out together and, and, and get chemistry and get some of those new guys incorporated into what they're trying to do? I, I think it's super important, but in the age of social media and seeing how they all interact with each other and seeing the just from Armando to Ant to, you know, even Cole, seeing their interaction on social media kind of proves that, you know, distance doesn't hold them apart and um, incorporating it with the younger kids and, you know, hyping them up on social media. I think that kind of helps. And ideally with Zoom being so important to recruiting and things like that, I would think that, or would hope at least that, you know, there have been Zoom parties, you know, and, and you know, just introducing players to each other and, you know, getting to know um, just on a surface level who these people are outside of basketball. I am I would think that would help tons um, because showing up to people you've never met before and expecting immediate chemistry would be weird, but um, we've seen that last season. So you kind of need that time together in whatever capacity to know your teammate and to know um, who they are as a person and as a player. 
when you mentioned Armando Baycott, it, it, it actually got me thinking, you know, he had a really interesting season. It was kind of up and down for him. And um, where do you think he's at coming into this year in terms of his headspace and, and, you know, what kind of player do you kind of think he's going to, I mean, it's hard to predict, right. But what kind right. of player do you think that he's going to sort of turn into? Cause at times he looked like this dominant force and people were saying he's going to be one and done. And then, you know, it sort of tailed off towards the end of the year. I think he has absolutely no choice but to show out and show out this year. When you have Walker Kessler and Damon Sharp coming in, um, essentially coming for your position, you have to, have to, have to battle it out. Um, everyone knows Coach Williams prefers experience, but um, I'm sure he's going to let them duke it out because you have Damon Sharp, who's this incredible athlete who's very dominant and, and very explosive. And then you have Walker Kessler coming in, who's this super incredible stretch five who can shoot a three with ease. Um, so you have some competition coming in. So he's going to have to, those flashes that we saw last year, he's going to have to have them a lot more consistent um, to have that, that starter spot. Um, because I think these incoming freshmen are, are ready to work um, and, and they're not going to, Hold no punches, I don't think. So he has to show up to compete. <laughs> you think it was mental with him? It seemed like it was mental, but it's hard to tell. You know, it's mental, physical. I know he did get hurt um, a little early, like in December with the ankle. The ankle looked really bad and he played, you know, played right away. I don't, he might have missed one game at one point during the season. Yeah, that was yeah. Cool. I mean, joined the Carolina club last year, but is it is it mental with him? Like, what what do you think was was his sort of, his issue last year? I think um, a lot of people come to Carolina and not really know that this is really a, a high level school that expects high level every single game. And um, that can be a little intimidating at times and it could be um, a lot to handle, especially with Carolina fans. You're, you're not getting the world's easiest fan base. This fan base expects a winning season every season. So um, I'm sure a lot played into his confidence with us lose or with Carolina losing and, um, you know, the injury and, and then, you know, just the fans and it's a lot to to weigh in. So I think it could be a little bit of both and just feeling kind of defeated at times. I think a lot of them felt that way last year. Yeah. Oh, and it's understandable. Like you said, it's tough to have a season like they did last year with, a, with, the, with that fan base. Um, yeah. And- everything that comes along with it um but yeah it's interesting and Cole Anthony obviously that was a no-brainer for him to leave I'm fascinated by like his projections in the draft seem to be all over the place yeah um but everyone well from what I've seen has him going to the Knicks which wouldn't be surprising um I think uh to me I think what stood out about Cole Anthony was not of course he was a, a dominant athlete whenever he was in there and I really do believe those 11 games he missed had he had he been plugged in, I think the season would have been a little different. But yeah. um, I think what the storyline for Cole Anthony at Carolina was, was how supportive he was. He was there every game. He traveled with the team. He wanted to come back. There was never a moment while he was in that Carolina blue uniform that you had to question his loyalty. Like, he was coming back no matter what. And a lot of kids wouldn't. A lot of kids would have just sat out and, you know, just prepared for the draft and just took this season as a loss. But, you know, regardless of a losing season, he wanted to come back. He wanted to keep fighting. And um, he 
wouldn't let one game change the course of the season. Um, after the Duke loss, he was like, you know, I'm not going to let this one game affect anything with me. I'm 18, 19 years old. This one game has nothing on the rest of my life as a basketball player. So what I'm going to do is continue going out there and continue fighting every single time and giving my all. So um, I think that any team would be lucky to have a kid like that who wants to keep fighting regardless of a record. Yeah, I, it would be hard for me to imagine him slipping too, too far out of yeah. the range. I know I saw somebody project him like early second and I was like, y'all are nuts. That's not happening. It's not, not happening at all. Not no. this draft. No. <laughs> like, come on. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, 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 I mean, assuming, I guess there is going to be a draft now. Um, I think they were saying maybe September. Cause it's, That's it's, a weird, it's crazy. Yeah. It's a weird time to come out. Right. Because like, I guess if you're even fringe, like why bother? Because you can't, you know, you can't test the waters now. Like you, you're in or you're out. I would imagine. Right. Right. Yeah. That is insane to even think about the NBA draft in September. And right. even thinking about the timeline, like if everything does return to near normalcy, them just immediately playing come November, December, like yeah, because they're kids. Yeah. I mean, I guess they could do a quick summer league, maybe, and they just call it fall league or something. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, but man. will that even be able to compete with college football and then the beginning of right. college basketball? It's yeah. it's yeah, it's <laughs> it's a lot. There's a lot that's completely up in the air and we're still we're still in a stay at home pretty much well I, are we still in a stay at home I don't know I can't even keep track I'm still staying at home as much as I me can. too yeah me yeah. too <laughs> yeah I'm not I mean, playing I, with it yeah I've I finally saw my parents last weekend because my kid was going nuts without his grandparents and you know they've Aww. been yeah they've been quarantined quarantined so it's like all right let's we went to the beach, but we like very much stayed away from everybody. And especially when I read like, there's some article out too, where it's like the activities you can do in terms of safety ranked. And it's like, I'm not trying to be indoors with other people, but I don't right, mind, right. you know, outdoors, spaced out. Okay. I can deal with that. And so that's like the only thing I've really done during this whole thing. I don't know how yeah. you're spending your, how you're spending your time. Uh, in, in these four walls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's that's it. pretty much it. I haven't been able to do much outside of, of that. So, um, uh, I've been um, trying to, you know, stay close with my friends, and we have like small get-togethers. It's been birthdays, but we have like two, three people, and outside of that, just been staying home. Um, I had my uncle pass away from COVID nineteen, so oh. um, that kind of made this more a reality for me, and it made me lock down a little bit. So. I've been a little bit more cautious than before he passed. It's like, okay, this, yeah, I oh need to God. take this a lot more serious. Yeah, I did see that. And I'm so sorry. That's it's just, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it has to hit everybody differently when it's someone yeah. they know. Um, I know UNC cornerback Patrice Renee, I think his uncle also passed from um, COVID. He was talking about that last week on a Zoom presser, mm-hmm. how, you know, he's, obviously taking it super seriously and I don't think he would be as gung-ho to come back to campus and do all that if if he didn't feel like it was safe and um it's but it's yeah it's just it's a real thing man and and people have to be safe and you know David Cutcliffe was talking about it um he was on the radio here locally recently and he said he's been telling his players like look you have to take this seriously you have to do the right things 
um, or else you could jeopardize everything for everybody else. Like just mm-hmm. one slip up, just one mistake, you know, and, and we could find ourselves in, you know, in jeopardy the whole, not just the season, but just people's lives. And it's, this is serious. I'm saying it'll be interesting to see that the schools, um, they're closing before Thanksgiving. So, you yeah. know, because they, they say it's going to be a second wave of COVID in the winter. So it'll be interesting to see how sports continues after that. Um, what does that even look like? Yeah, it's, it, Bruce Pearl had some interesting comments the other day. Uh, Auburn's head coach talking about like, it, it was a little bit taken out of context, but it's still like the phrasing sounds bad of just sort of like almost bringing these athletes back as like the, a test run for colleges to see wow. like, and yeah. I was just like, okay, not the best. <laughs> um, no, but, it's not. Yeah, like he said a lot of stuff before that that definitely mitigated that part of it, like about how seriously they were taking it and all the protocols they were putting in place and everything else. But still, it was like, oof, uh, okay, uh, not great. But it is interesting, and I do, I do wonder that too. And I almost wondered if the semester itself and the structure of it was almost a way to be like, all right, we're going to try this for a few months and see how it goes, and then uh, we'll see about the winter semester. <laughs> like, all right, well, we'll try to get it done as fast as we can while things have uh, hopefully calmed down a little bit, and then once this hits right. again, uh, we don't know yet. Uh, yeah, I know Duke's reopening, and obviously the Carolina schools are planning to. But yeah, I mean, what, what Bruce Pearl said was like, he's like, I doubt that a lot of these schools are just going to bring back 24,000 people without like some sort of a, you know, of a way to see how this goes. And yeah, it almost does feel like they're sort of being, the guinea pigs is the wrong word, but it does kind of feel like that. Yeah. In a weird way. It's scary. I wouldn't want to be that guinea pig, to tell you that. Um, although I guess like if you have to, you better do it in a position where like these schools understand, even if we're looking at this cynically, that like, they need to do their best to take care of these athletes. And if, you know, yeah. if, 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 if there's an outbreak and, you know, if there's an outbreak on a team, like that's where I think things, things start might get put in jeopardy a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's one thing if like one guy gets it, but it's another thing if everybody starts getting it. So I can't oh. imagine. I can't. It's, whew, it, it really is a lot. It really is. Cause it's like, and it's crazy. I don't know if you ever thought about this. I know I did now. It's like, there are times I remember there was like an outbreak of flu on the Duke basketball team a couple of years ago. And I remember it, I think it had started with this walk on that was like still traveling with the team. And I was like, I remember thinking like, why? You, he doesn't, you know, I'm not saying like, if it's a better player, he should still be there either. But it's like, yeah, why are we just pretending that like shoving these guys in a locker room together is, is, when one of them is sick, even from something like the flu, which we have some antibodies to, and, and there's a vaccine, like why do why are we just assuming that like people aren't going to catch it? Yeah, you're right. I mean, you catch it in the in the office just easily with one person sick, everyone is sick. I swear, I one thing I want to change out of all of this is that we stop we stop letting people go to work sick because exactly it's just like. It's not that serious. A lot of us have jobs, not everybody, but a lot of us have jobs we can do from home, especially in an office environment. Mm-hmm. But like it's it's ultimately not good for your productivity if you have somebody coming to work sick and then they get your office sick or your restaurant yeah. or whatever it is. Like I, I hate that it's become a thing where it's like, oh, you got the, I mean, Jordan obviously didn't have the flu in that game, but the flu game, like right. <laughs> it's like, okay, what if you did have the flu? It's not good to play with the flu. 
You know what? It's funny. Jawad Williams actually <laughs> actually said that whenever um, that was playing. He was like, I always wondered if Jordan had the flu, why would he be hugging all on his teammates? Wouldn't that get everyone sick? Like, so the yeah. flu couldn't be possible <laughs> because right. Jordan wouldn't be the only one. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting because Jawad, um, I heard an interview with him recently where, you know, he was talking about coming back over from Japan where he's been playing and just the culture being so different over there of like they were already wearing masks. Like he already had a mask. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's just what they yeah. do there. And um, I, when I interviewed him before he came back, I said, um, are you excited about coming back? He said, no, I'm safer here. <laughs> Why would I come home? Yeah, I'm safer like, in Japan than I am in the U.S. And he, yeah, he was, he was talking about some of that too and how they wipe everything down already anyways. Mm-hmm. And they have all the sanitation stuff that they already do. And then he was talking about how when he got back to America, they were basically like, how you feeling? You feel good? He's like, yeah. I'm like, all right. And he was just like, are you serious? Like, that's it? That's nothing? Okay. You know, <laughs> just let me loose. Just take my word yeah. for it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And I, I just, I'd like us all to get a little more sanitary and stay out of my personal space even after this, please. Like, exactly. <laughs> like we we actually ended up leaving the beach because like this one. I mean, the beach was kind of was a little. There's a lot of people, but it's not. You know how you see those pictures and you think like it looks like everybody's on top of each other, but it's not really. Yeah. Like that. You know when you when you're on the ground level, it's like actually there's a good bit of distance between everybody, but like this one group did take up a spot like too close to us, and I was just like, I don't. Let's just get out of here because I don't. I don't want to do. Yeah. And they know, they know when they're too close. It's like, you know, you need to back up. Right. And it's like, even when you go to the movies before all this happened and like somebody would take the seat like right behind you, even though the mm-hmm. whole theater is empty and you're like, man, come on. Like, exactly. And then put their feet up. Yes. And it's like, <laughs> yes, that, I hate that. But it's also like, don't make, don't make me move and look like the jerk when like this whole theater is empty and you're, you're sitting right by me like that. That always drove me nuts. So yeah, let's, let's all remember to stay out of each other's personal space, even after this is all over and, and be sanitary. Like (laughs) don't go to work sick. Um, I saw you tweeting about, uh, I guess it was like national burger day the other day. Um, yes. And you were like best burger in the triangle. Cause you were trying to, you were trying to get a burger. Did you get a burger? I failed you, Lauren. I actually went, it was also National Brisket Day. And I was torn. My little southern heart didn't know what to do. So I went and got brisket instead. And it was like Jesus himself made the brisket. But um, if I want, um, Corner Boys Barbecue, it is a food truck uh, based out of Fuquay, but they travel between the triangles. So they're everywhere. Ooh. The best brisket you will ever. I'm gonna have to bring you some. Oh, I'm gonna have to try that then. Yeah, because that you sounds- you will lose it. Have you had backyard barbecue? Of course. Okay, yeah, I figured, but that's my favorite in the triangle for barbecue. Anyway, that's my no. that's my place. I will drive I'm gonna, to Durham. <laughs> I'm gonna change your life as soon yeah. as I, I find out where they're gonna be next. I'm gonna come up to. Uh, uh, 99 fan and, and bring you some I have to you will it will change your life well hopefully I'll be back at uh at work by then uh-huh. oh that's right I totally forgot you guys aren't there <laughs> yeah no I've been there in um god I haven't been there in over two probably like almost three months now yeah Jeez. It's, okay I know. It's yeah. Crazy. <laughs> um yeah so so no burger okay but did you no, get but the best 
Uncle Sam, the best burger, if you want one, is at in Durham at the King Sandwich Shop. Hands okay. down, the best burger. I've, I've never, you know, in all my, I lived in Durham before. I've never tried King's. I'm going to have to. Um, I would have said only burger in Durham because I love that place, but I haven't been to King's yet. I'm going to have to try it. Really, I think a fries will change my mind about a burger. If your fries don't compliment my burger, then I, I, it's not a good burger to me. Interesting. That's fair. It's because I, I love Five Guys burgers, but I don't, the fries aren't for me. It's just like a little, right. but it, so I know what you're saying. It's like, but you're getting the best experience though, if you can like get the burger you want and then just go to another restaurant and get the good fries. That's how. Oh, totally. Like, yeah. Yeah. I I have definitely, I am not above going to like get the Wendy's burger and then get the McDonald's fries. I've done, done that. that before, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> done that I know, I, the Wendy's fries were not great before and they're like worse now. And it's just like, no, I don't want those they're fries. Trash. Yeah. It's just like they were fine before and then they've done something to them recently that I don't care for. But the the McDonald's fries are where it's at. Those are those are worth it, you know? The fries they have are. to be worth it. Like French fries are easy, you know, to make good. I'm just saying. Like, don't don't give me trash French fries. Um Yeah. You know, you're right though, it does have to complement it. Have you have you had only burger? Do you like only burger? I do, yeah, they're okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I I don't but remember. Kings and Mojos. Mojos on Glimlet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mojos is pretty solid. Um I although I don't like I mean, I like and don't like that they put the calories on the menu. Cause I'm like I don't either. <sighs> I'm like, I, I know this is bad for me. I don't need to see how bad. <laughs> right i thought more companies are doing that like you're telling me i'm gonna get fat while eating your food and that's not conducive to me oh buying my. from you like why yeah. that's... i mean i'm a calorie counter anyway i do try to count but it's like when you see actually what it is you're just like i can't justify okay yeah I'll have this burger maybe but i can't i can't put a thousand <laughs> calories into my body in this one burger i just can't do it um, Let me just get a lettuce wrap. Like without yeah. the bread, it's going to make a difference. <laughs> I mean, it I'll take everything, but just give me lettuce, yeah. no bread. Exactly. All right. I want you to tell everybody how they can find your stuff, find your Twitter, find all the stuff that you're working on, the the, the, the podcast, uh, all of it. Uh, so uh, David Noel and I have a podcast called The Player and the Fan, where we explore uh, Carolina basketball and the ACC. Um, it's to me, I love it because you get perspective from a former player who's turned into a coach. So you get uh, both elements in David Noel, and I'm every bit of a fan, and I'm happy to be able to be in that space where I can just be a Carolina fan and not be professional. So um, uh, it's a really great podcast. We have guests on, former players, and um, it's it's really fun and enjoyable for Carolina fans. You can also find me on Twitter at Kiera underscore Luck. Uh, Kiera is spelled Q-U-I-E-R-R-A underscore L-U-C-K. And uh, that's all I have to pop. And as always, if you want just Carolina news, you're more than welcome to join me on the website at uh, si.com forward slash college forward slash UNC. That's awesome. And yeah, y'all need to follow her because you want anything about what's going on at Carolina? She has a lot of people she talks to pretty regularly, and um, you know, at all 
levels. And so she knows, she knows what's going on. She covers it. She's always there on the ground doing the work. So give her a follow. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for doing this. Thank you so much, Lauren. Um, and I told her before to the listeners, I told her before, she is my doors first. So this was such an honor oh to be on this podcast with you talking sports. So I've, I'm just floored and completely thankful to be on this platform with you. So thank you so much, Lauren. Wow, that's like literally one of the nicest things anybody's ever said to me. But thank you for saying that so much because I, yeah, Doris is my, oh, Doris is the best. Um, All right, everybody, until next week.